should blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. This is Dave's Video Graveyard. Halloween Shitemare Month. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I'm your number one fan. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. What an excellent day for an exorcism. There's no more room in hell. The dead will walk here. Sometimes that is better. This is Dave's Video Graveyard. Halloween Shitemare Month. <laughs> this is Dave's Video Graveyard for another week. And believe it or not, we've already ruined Shitemare Month. Paulie, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Celebrating it the only way we know how. That is it. On, on now, our, thinking on our feet. <laughs> that's it. It wouldn't be Shitemare if we weren't doing things half-assed. Unfortunately, <laughs> some things have changed. Casey's not going to be able to join us this week. And we thought, well, since that she chose the movie in quotation marks, the film in quotation marks, that was... I have so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> since she chose Basket Case, we decided that rather than power on without her we do something else and we'll push back all the movies one week so this week me and Polly are going to have a bit of a chat about horror movies because it is our shitemare month the one of our favorite months of all time because we get to talk shit about horror movie that we hold horror movies that we hold so close to ourselves however of course coming up next week we got basket case we'll also be tackling one of the greatest thomas jane shark movies of all time and i'm sure there's more than one and we'll also be covering, uh, I guess you could say, the the crossover event of the century later in the oh, month. So, so much to talk about. My notes for that one is just too extensive. Oh, man. I Mine is like, because, you know, we take notes, like peek behind the curtain. We take notes. And a lot of times it's short form where it's like, look mm. at this. Look at this cunt's hairdo. Stuff like that. Whereas <laughs> this this looks like I'm scripting an episode of like the movies that made us just about yeah. Freddy versus Jason because there is so much. Um, I'm just going to guess, Paul, that you definitely went down the path of all the scripts that were written but never made. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my Lord, yes. <laughs> Casey. That was is- an awesome part. Casey, if you are listening, I'm going to send out a warning right now. You are going to get Paul splained because that's what Shitemare Month is all about. <laughs> and especially when it's a horror franchise because uh, that is Paul's wheelhouse outside of Kevin Costner films. I know. Um, speaking of. <laughs> and it's, that cannot be the start of a conversation that I'm excited about, but go ahead. 
I um I finally because I never really watched it. Um, I mean, I think I probably caught, caught it on TV a bit, but I finally sat down and watched Dances with Wolves. Uh, yep. Um, it <clears throat> it's an epic. <laughs> it's so long. It is so long, and it's like so unnecessarily wrong that long as well. And but it's good. I'll I'll, I'll give it its props. But man. He and pushed me to my limits on that one. <laughs> His old man voice is just as good as Emilio Estevez's old man Billy the Kid voice from the second Young Guns movie. Yeah. Where it's like, are you doing and I've watched Field of Dreams recently. Yeah, and I've, done, I've, I've, listened, I've watched Field of Dreams um, recently. And I'm like, oh man, he's like, this is like the golden age of Costner talk, like voiceover movies. Like it's just him talking like... Was it in his contract? It's like, I have to explain everything that's going on at this time. Uh, but when he, when he does the old man voice in Dancing with Wolves, it's not even good enough to be on a skit of Mad TV. Like, it's just a, <laughs> oh, I'm very old and I was an Indian. <laughs> As you know, like, I am a, a terribly tragic collector of VHS videos, my main source yep. being the local op shops. I still haven't, I've got a copy of Braveheart. I've got a copy of Titanic. So all these big Oscar bait mm. uh, epics. I still don't have a copy of Dances with Wolves because I reckon much like a Kamal record, every op shop I walk in, there's at least two different versions because there's the original version that was released. There's the theatrical version. There's the cut for TV version. They're all double yeah. VHS. And then they've released more versions after it won the Oscars, just so they could write about the Oscars on the cover. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm just going to decide the definitive copy that I'm going to buy because there's like 30 different versions of Dances with Wolves on VHS. Yeah. No, it's uh look, if you've got a spare afternoon and it will be an afternoon, it will be an afternoon, <laughs> an afternoon and evening. That's it. Oh man. Um, I caught what, Canine what, last night, by the way, too. Well, uh, late night on se- on seven, mate. <laughs> seven, mate. Funnily enough, um, what a few weeks ago on DVG radio show, I had Cara and Ben from Brisbane joining us. We did a special on copycat uh, films, so movies yeah. that were released the same year, same premise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten to tell you one of the greatest things that's ever happened happened. The radio what? station received a complaint because we were talking shit about canine. <laughs> so of all the... All the t- <laughs> what's, a, what's a Jim Belushi? <laughs> Man, that was... The, the, what I love is the amount of questionable content that we've got away on community radio for over three years now. The, <laughs> The someone got so upset that we basically said that K9 wasn't as good as Turner and Hooch that that was, was the not. bridge that was the bridge that they wouldn't cross. <laughs> it was it was, so it was like- that fat brother-in-law from According to Jim. He was the guy that <laughs> rang up the station. Like, oh, like oh, sort of the, yeah. I've got a Google whack for every mention of Jim Belushi, and I'm not going to stand for this. It was it was hard to get through. Um, like, because he's basically playing Axel Foley yeah. in the movie. Even down to the part where he, like, breaks up a dinner party and stuff like that. And it's just like, but you're not, you've got zero charisma of Eddie Murphy or, 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 or anyone in that realm. So, and, like, the, when the dog is, like, the most charismatic part of the movie, like, in a movie about you and it's just, you need someone like Tom, Tom Hanks paired up with Hooch nicely. So, 
when you're the Randy Quaid of the Belushi family, you need to go. <laughs> when you don't yourself. use Ed O'Neill, like when you when you take away Ed O'Neill's um uh all his scenes at the start of the movie, like he, he could have been out there throughout the entire thing. He was the best thing about that movie, like human wise. Uh, <laughs> but this is but this is Shy Man Month, and we should be talking about horror movies. <laughs> well, hey, you brought up Belushi, so there we are talking about horrible movies. <laughs> this now, is like when when we freeform like jazz. <laughs> We just go off such so off topic. As long as we don't talk about any um, radio uh, psychiatrist type sitcoms, then we'll be fine. Hmm. Don't talk about it. <laughs> All right. So the first suggestion that I wanted to put out for everyone that they really need to visit. Um, it's a film that pretty much like I put it in the same category as I always do of Last Action Hero and uh, The Cable Guy. We just weren't okay. ready. We weren't ready for it when it came out and it wasn't promoted properly is my biggest issue. I'm talking about okay. 1996's Peter Jackson's The Frighteners with Michael J. Uh, Fox. Yes. Um, yeah. This was promoted. I still vividly remember, and you can find it on YouTube. I remember the, um, the trailer for this and it looked yep. like a lot of lighthearted fun and it looked very kooky and very silly. And what we got was actually a hyper-violent, quite scary horror movie, which it's dark. Like yeah. the uh, the the death character, like or the death like villain, like is is super scary. Like at the time, yeah, um, I remember this is one of those ones that had the ventricular uh, case, I think, because the, yep. the, the yep. yeah. And I remember always like going past it. Even the case was like, I don't know if I want to see that. <laughs> but like I said, the trailers made it look like it belonged in the the helm of like. Casper the Friendly Ghost type, like a lighthearted yeah, yeah. supernatural comedy. Uh, it follows Michael J. Fox's character who he, him and his wife are in a car accident and unfortunately yep. his wife loses her life, but he gains the ability to talk to the dead and yep. uh, rather than use it for good, um, he goes the John Edwards route of just ripping people <laughs> off and conning them by talking to ghosts. And uh, that in itself is the best thing about the movie is like you got such a nice person like Michael J. Fox, but like coming just off of like, you know, he well not it'd be a few years since Back to the Future, but like he him as a bad guy, he actually does like a sort of a snotty little character like really well. Hey, you'd expect, and do you know who would be? Do you know who he pretty much the character arc that he plays in this movie? He is a Greg Kinnear type. <laughs> I don't know whether you want to just mention those two in the same. I don't think you got a lot of love for the Canadian. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of those movies that it really looks like a lot of fun. I've got to say, it still stands up. 1996, it's visually stunning because uh, yep. Peter Jackson's special effects company were behind it. It looks really great, really creepy. And it's just got a lot of really kooky character actors in there, um, including um, Jake Busey plays the serial killer that becomes like the Grim Grim Reaper serial killer. Yeah. Um, there's also Jeffrey Coons. Oh, yeah, he's in it? Yes, yep. Oh, he yeah. plays pretty much um, his character from Full Metal Full Jacket. Full Metal Jacket, yeah. And um, also Jeffrey Coons, or Coons, have you said, from Reanimator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, he was like, he was, it's a Peter Jackson film. Yeah. 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 It's a Peter Jackson film. Yeah. But yeah, oh, that's cool. my yeah, suggestion. I've... And also, if you want to look into it further, I also recommend checking out on YouTube the outtakes because for some reason, Michael J. Fox was having so much trouble 
not calling the other characters Doc. So he kept <laughs> delivering lines and saying, we got to get out of here, Doc. And then he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It must have just been stuck oh my in his God. head. So check that out if you get a chance because it's, it's so bizarre. Because that would have been around, nearly around the time he started doing Spin City too. So that was like yeah. later, later half of the 90s. All right. Um, my first uh, pick would be um, this movie from 1990 called Tales from the Dark Side, which is uh, it's one of those ones that's like a, got three vignettes. Yeah, um, anthology uh, show, yeah. An anthology show, yeah. So And like this got a wraparound uh, segment. So Is this the you got one De- with Deborah Harry and the kid that yeah. she wants to cook and eat? So, so you do you watch Debbie Harry De- Debbie Harry Debbie Harry Debbie. Um, <laughs> um, uh, go go to the supermarket and grab some stuff for this meal and when she comes home in her kitchen there's a guy there's a kid in like a caged room that she's going to cook for her uh, dinner party that night and she gives the kid like this book of um, uh, stories from her childhood. And to get her to sort of stop, like, sort of hold her off, he, he reads three stories to her from this storybook. And it's so weird. Like, she is definitely going to eat a child. And yeah. everyone was okay with that. Um, you've got in the first story about a Egyptian mummy, mummy that um, uh, uh, is, comes into the uh, possession of, um, of a college student, you've got Christian Slater and Steve Buscemi as the two college students. You've got Julianne Moore's first appearance on film as a um, very, very uh, uh, conniving sort of girlfriend who, who, who uh, yeah, it's, 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 it was really good. And then the second one is, uh, it was directed by George Romero or written by George Romero. And that's, it's like a um, one about a cat um, who is basically killing its owners. And there's some, like, one is of the that effects. Is that the one that has David Johansson from the New York Dolls? Yeah. Is that the Oh, yeah. I mix it up because I have the worst problem of mixing up Creepshow, Masters of Horror, and yep. Tales of the Dark Side because they all, in my mind, even Tales of the Grip, they've all run into one. Night Shift as well? Yes. Night Shift has got one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, so total, that one. Total, total side note to derail the whole show. Night Stalker is currently on SBS On Demand. I saw. I saw it. Oh, man, that's some, that's some memories there. Because I actually, uh, when it came out on DVD... I was so keen to, I'd never seen it before. And I was so keen to see it. And I, I paid like a ridiculous amount of money. I'm like, it's good, but it ain't $80 a season worth good. So <laughs> right at, Back in the day, man, nothing was better. Like I'm talking about 1997 ish. There was Friday nights on arena television on pay TV. There was Tabitha had the, the night shift. I think it was called. Yeah. And it was yeah, yeah. two classic horror movies. Usually they were pretty garbage, but yeah, you'd then switch over to TV one and it had an episode of tales of the crypt that TV show, um, American Gothic. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was on there. And there yeah. And then night yeah. stalker was on following yeah. that. And night stalker was just, it was just tales of the crypt. Essentially. It was just like, it was like probably X-Files. Yeah. Um, it was a he, wise, it was a wise cracking detective that was chasing yeah. werewolves. And he did a couple of guest spots on the X Files, and his episodes are his. He plays the character that originally opened the X Files back in the sixties. Um, so, like, it's it's kind of does a little bit of a nod of like we know where we're coming from with you. The I was third, watching uh, X Files last night, and fucking Donald Logu was in it, and I'm like, oh, he's wow. that, so, so that's that's Tombs, yeah, yeah. That was, that was your debut. I was gonna say, 
That is when he was clearly 35 years old because I am in that episode. <laughs> he's he is such a prick in it too. Uh, it's oh, just, he's man. just trying to he's so just trying to school like Dana. <laughs> um, anyone who refers to Scully as Dana is just a piece of garbage on the show. <laughs> I like um, they keep calling they keep calling Mulder spooky, and I'm yeah. just like, oh, this is great. They try to keep that going for the first two seasons, and then like they just sort of dropped. It's like we don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> um, the last segment in Tales of um, from the Dark Side is called Lovers Vow, and it's got a uh, James Remar. Um, Still kind of looking, you know, where like there's, there's two, there's two James Remars. There's the one that looks like his character in the Warriors. And then there's one that like looks like his character in Dexter. I was going to say, it's either Warriors. Ajax or suits that would have used to fit Alec Baldwin. <laughs> um, this one's awesome because the, the actual story is kind of garbage, but like, it's all about this gargoyle. Um, who it's it's one of those long walks to a big payoff like the the last scene of this of that segment is amazing and like it's it probably won a few of the special effects awards because like i think it might even be a winston a stan winston but i'm not sure um but it's pretty good uh so yeah if you ever get a chance it's kind of hard to find but tales from the dark side uh definitely give it give it a go especially for um christian slater like 89 90 91 he was like in about five or six movies he was just constantly working interviewed the vampire as well uh, i reckon well that was I mean, 94 robin, right? robin robin hood's around that time oh yeah and then pump uh, up the volume mark was 1990 yeah yeah oh have you have you ever watched men at work yeah i love that movie i've never i had never seen that before and it's on like spoiler alert, it's on my list of, of of ones we're gonna do like in the near future um that's a weird movie that's it kind really of funny is. but then it's kind of not it's got such a weird vibe to it and tonally it's all over the shop. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Now we'll get to it when we actually cover it, but like, yeah, there's, it's such a weird movie because like they're treated like they're cops, but they're garbage men. <laughs> it's just, it's, they've even got a cheap. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird vibe. Um, anyway, so what's your next choice? Now you just mentioned hard to find and it's good that you did yes. because if you travel back to 1999, I don't think you'll be finding a, a modern Blu-ray copy of my next film starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Sutherland and Uncle Bully himself, Cliff Curtis. I'm talking about the movie Virus because if you, uh. if you like the movie Aliens, then it's maybe time that you waited 10 years and watched some <laughs> of the movies that were ripped off from it because it's, it's that it is... I realise like two of the movies on my list today pretty much mm. have the same synopsis and they're all the exact same synopsis as deep rising. So <laughs> um, it's the, the virus is the one on the, um, on the virus uh, ship, is yeah. basically uh, a salvage crew come across a Russian um, warship. And so yep. they decide to board it because they're going to salvage them, everything on it to make their money. Yeah. Um, and so they get on board and it turns out that, a space virus hit the Russian space station, which beamed down the virus to this ship and the ship essentially turned all the, all the cords. It, basically a lot of it is You're giving like, this way too much credence. I don't, someone watched like a strapping young lad music video and went, what if, we make all, what if we make all the bad guys be like universal soldiers, but they're all infected with cords and circuitry. But 
because it's all pr mostly practical effects, the beauty of it is a lot of it is just dudes with like the inside of remote controls stuck to their face and shit, <laughs> or wires coming out yeah. of their mouth. But it What's is that, that the um, screamers, the yes, screamers. With yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, well is, <laughs> it is such a fantastic mixture of practical 1990s gore, edgy uh, dudes with machine guns and uh jamie lee curtis being a special forces lady it is so much fun it's, to see those... it's distressing because that was just after h2o yeah yeah and it is you would have thought that the world would have been at her feet and she's like i'm gonna do virus <laughs> not like our, our mutual friend ll who thought <laughs> i've I'm, i've been in h2o now i'm gonna go um fight some sharks well he's a method actor he was in h2o and he wanted to go further into H2O. So he wanted <laughs> oh my. deep blue oh, H2O, Paulie. Um, you should have kept that for the show. <laughs> now, I, <laughs> I think a uh, forward-moving warning that I should put with any film that I do suggest, because of quality, the asterisk of this film is it features William Baldwin. So you always know there's going to be some <laughs> shit involved because William Baldwin famously sucks. Oh, come on. He, He's uh, it, not even the real life uh, born again, William Baldwin, that's against like rude things in movies. He's just speaking of Baldwin's. Speaking of Baldwin's, I, um, I put on my, uh, my cardigan last Sunday and got a hot cup of cocoa and a crumpet. And I sat down in my easy chair and I watched Hub for October because it was, it was dad movie Sunday. Yep. And uh, Alec Baldwin, um, I used to think that. I didn't. I don't really like present day Alec, Alec Baldwin. Like he kind of just shits me. He's got this, and there's stuff in his personal life. It's not. It's not. He's red flaggy. But I'm like, I don't think I like you. Um, even young Alec Baldwin is not that great. Like he is. He is not great in that movie. Like it's. He's. He seems really, really badly miscast. Well, um, I'm. I'm not sure who I was talking to recently, but I was actually going to look into a timeline when Alec Baldwin went from looking like a leading man in the shadow to. The, yep. fat, the fat dude that he became in The Departed and just never never stopped being that guy. Ghosts of Mississippi is like right on the on the edge. Um, that's probably one of my only... That's probably one of the films I like him in the most. But like that's when he's like sort of... He's got a bit of punch to him, but not to the point of like... Ugh, like 30 Rock really, really sort of made him like... That's, that's, that's the staple now. It's like he's basically a version of his 30 Rock color. You know, you know when... Um, in, I think it's the third or fourth Lethal Weapon movie where Danny Glover takes his, um, oh, what's that? His girdle off and his belly <laughs> just all spills out. Yeah. That's exactly what the job of Alec Baldwin's collar on his suit does. He undoes <laughs> it and just like... Uh. Um, so my next choice is I'm actually... Look, so... I've started watching the Nightmare on Elm Streets again because there's another podcast I listen to that is doing sort of a deep dive on them. And I actually, for being a horror fan, there I have not probably seen, I don't think I've ever seen five and six and I haven't seen um, one, two, three and four for years. So I, I watched uh, the first one again the other night. And if you haven't watched it in a while, I would seriously dip, dip your toes back in there because it is a really, really good horror movie. But we should, um, we should give people, if we are going to recommend that, we also need to warn you that you're not getting your quippy, fun Freddy Krueger. 
No, no. Like this is the one where it's like it's it, this one and number three are, have always been my, like number three is probably actually probably my favorite one. But I haven't rewatched that one for years. Um, this he's like it's it's generally distressing in some parts. It's uh, it's the one like apart from other slasher movies where it's kind of. I think the fact that it's in the real world is actually kind of like a safety net because this one's got a supernatural element to it. I think I've, I found it like way more, even watching the other night, I was like, this is generally sort of scary. Like I know what's going to happen, but I was like, I can see why this one is so popular. So I would say as a, as a bit of a replay, like rewatch thing, go back into the Nightmare on Elm Street um, uh, franchise and uh, yeah, you might be pleasantly surprised. Because nice. I think everyone thinks it's just, it is just that quippy thing. And like after having watched the end of the spectrum, Freddy versus Jason um, for the podcast. And then going back to the start, there's a lot in between there. And you just want to see like how he became what he is in Freddy versus Jason to the, as opposed to who he was in the first one. So yeah, I'm going to go on a bit of a journey in the next few weeks and uh, yeah. And I'll let you know how, how it goes. Lovely. Well, mine is pretty glasses for the six. <laughs> you will. Now, I am going to suggest when you're going to make the world wait six years for your sequel, you better be holding something special up your sleeve. And that's exactly what happened with my next choice. I'm trying to guess these as you're doing like the, I know. the brain reform. The sizzle, the sizzle. It's from 1996. Mm. It doesn't have the franchise star returning for the sequel. However, it is carried by the supporting cast. It is such a fun movie. I'm talking about 1996's Tremors 2, The Aftershocks. Uh, <laughs> I fucking love this movie. This is, this is my wheelhouse of horror. I've got to have... Yeah. Um, I've said it many times before. I think Eli Roth did more bad for horror than he did good. I know a lot of people oh, yeah. won't yeah. agree with that. But it's got to be fun. You know, I grew up with Sam Raimi horror. So I've got to have a danger, a present danger needs to be there. There yeah. needs to be a bit of gore, but I want fun. There's got to be silliness yeah. and there's got to be fun. And Tremors 2 is a beautiful B-50s movie made in 1996. Uh, practical effects for the most part. The Graboids have evolved. They're not just Graboids anymore. They're also Arse Blasters, I believe they're called. <laughs> and is Fred Ward still? Fred Ward is the main character in the second one. Okay. Um, is Kevin long... Bacon didn't come back, did he? No, Kevin Bacon didn't come back, but um, the dad from Family Ties is back. Earl? Oh. No, Bert, you know what I, I, read thing about, I read about him. So they had a uh, 20, oh no, it must be in the 30th celebration earlier this year of the first one and he was the only one that rocked up oh and I no. felt so sad no for, um, for, but in, uh, isn't... in saying that as much as i love this i'm just looking on imdb and there is one two three four five tremors movies i haven't seen yeah there are seven I... of these fucking <laughs> things <clears throat> i remember the video store like we used to get one yeah every couple of years it was like it was that sort of thing of just it's, it's time for another Tremors movie. And it's, it's, I can guarantee you it's the same thing. I don't think uh, Mr. Keaton, or not Mr. Keaton, um, oh, what's his name? In the Anyway, the guy from Family Ties, I don't think he, I don't think he lasted any, like, any more than three because the guy on the front cover of the fifth or sixth one is definitely not him. 
But yeah, seriously, Tremors 2 captures all the fun of the first one. A lot of the same actors are back and it's just, it's a well done sequel because it is, it doesn't stray from what the first is. So many times they get that sequelitis where they try to up everything of the first one. This is just kind of a continuation six years later. Have you watched uh, Robocop 2 recently? Not recently. That's not, that is not bad. Um, as a as a one that probably does up the ante a little bit, like there's that there's that cult run by the dude that's like you know he's in a lot of '90s movies, but I can't remember his name. And it's just um, he's like kind of like a running like this sort of terrorist organization around the city. I never thought I would hear you say that guy in a lot of '90s movies that I don't remember his name because your defining like, character is remembering in, that guy's name. He's in Heat. I remember that, <laughs> but who wasn't? That doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Ruby got two was I, I think I was just watching it. Um, oh, I was watching it because it was made in ninety nine. I, I just yeah, it, it's, it was generally good, and it was longer than the first one because we when we did the the episode, we were saying how short Robocop was. This is a good like half an hour long. I'm like, this, I don't think I can remember any sequel that went significantly longer than the, than the original. It's usually the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my next one actually talking about. Uh, Sam Raimi. Um, I'm thinking this one. I'm I'm gonna say it's a a horror movie because shit. Why not? I watched Dark Man. Nice. Recently. Um, have you watched it recently? I certainly have. And you you still stand by this? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but I appreciate. Like, if you think that was 1990, yeah. 1990. Yep. 99. I appreciate a actor at the um, on his way up, definitely on his way up, um, not debasing himself, but definitely taking a sidestep from the main quest. This is um, almost like Sean Connery doing League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where it's like yes. so yes. far from the trajectory of what his career was supposed to be that it's actually... If you've never watched Man, listener... Uh, gentle listener, I go onto YouTube and I do some of those like sort of um, those cuts. Like, there's one where he's just, just like, look hey. up Liam Neeson fairground um, face melt. Panic. Yep, or, or um, Liam Neeson Julie, because yes. he says that he says his wife's name played by um, uh, Francis McDormand. Yep. Oh my lord! And uh, Colin Friels. Yep, Colin does one Friels of the best. It. Okay. Watch it for this because he does the best American accent that an Australian actor has ever done, ever. Flawlessly throughout the film. I did, even, when, even when he's in, in, a, uh, in a fight with someone or he's falling off a building, he sounds American. That's what's known on the show as an anti-Mendelssohn. Yeah, it's an anti- <laughs> If you're good at hiding in Australian accent, it's an anti-Mendelssohn. Uh, I watched Rogue One recently and he does not hide it in that at all. He uh, does not hide <laughs> it in fucking anything ever. That's like uh, the kids keep rewatching Captain Marvel. And <laughs> yeah. He's not only pretending to not be Australian, he's also pretending not to be Ben Mendelssohn. So <laughs> it'll be just this green alien guy. What's going on, cunts? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, Darkman though, if, if like the thing that lets that movie down, I think is the, um, cause he got Danny Elfman to do the soundtrack for it. And like, I was trying to put Danny myself Elfman in Danny Elfman that did that... the soundtrack for Frighteners. Yeah. Yes. 
We're topical because um, we don't, we should have talked. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but like, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. Um, uh, there's that family guy joke where they say, Oh no, now we have to get Danny Elfman. And it goes into this like, dun, 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 dun. and like, it's it, like every Danny Elfman, he's got one but style. Is, he does it well, it is but it's not o- good for everything. It is the Oingo Boingo bounce. And that's all he yes. can do. And he, so like, um, apparently he did it for, cause he, he also does, I didn't realize that he did the Spider-Man's like he did uh, Spider-Man yep. one yep. and maybe some two. So, um, but I was trying to put myself watching this in the thing of like, oh, all I've got as a benchmark for superheroes is the 89 Batman and also the um, Superman from like the early 80s. Like yeah. watching, a super, watching a fringe superhero um, before Marvel and DC really kicked off is so weird because like there's such a, it would have been such a... Uh, like, Was that Jerry Goldsmith that did the Donna right. Superman songs? What's that? Was it Goldsmith? Uh, he, uh, it was... Um, yeah, Goldsmith did that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, it's just weird because, like, you know, then you got Blade, um, in a few years' time in the nineties that like, sort of was the first fringe one. It's like it's not a Spider-Man. It's not one of the major characters and stuff. So, I like the fact that, like, you know, even back then, like, they had these filmmakers like, I'm not going to do like a, a general, a genuine superhero. I'm going to like either make my own or you know do one of the fringe ones. And it's it in that case, it's actually a really good movie. Yeah. Definitely. And the fact of everything else is a terrible movie. <laughs> 100%. Uh, you do get to see uh, Ivan Raimi get violently killed, much like most of Sam oh, Raimi's Lord. films. So, it's also got um, uh, the guy, one of um, Wayne's World's band members is um, one of the guys with uh, is in the gang. Yeah, uh, right. He's the one that, right at the end, he's like one of the last henchmen to die. And I'm like, all the way through, I'm like, where do I know him from? Durant's not the bad guy in the first one, is he? That's, yeah, he is. He is. Okay. He comes back. Uh, he collects He collects fingers. With a, a cigar cutter. A cigar chopper. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. So that's, yeah, that's, I don't even know what I'm up to. Three. I'm up to, this is, yeah. So give us your fourth one. My fourth one, I picked just not to be a, like, um, you know, a, I don't want to be condescending, but I did want to just pick a movie because I haven't heard this movie mentioned in the entire three plus years I've been doing the radio show about movies. This movie has reason? never come up. I don't think so. Okay. Um, perhaps quality, Paul, perhaps. <laughs> I'm talking about 1995's Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I think uh, what people call the uh, the career killer. <laughs> I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a contrarian, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, I have not ever seen it. I don't think I've. I, I think I clocked out of nineties uh, nineties Murphy after Boomerang. <laughs> uh, it, it is a mess of a tone film because it's directed by Wes Craven. It is, it is yes. super violent in a lot of the gore, but at the same time has a lot of comic relief that doesn't land. Um, it's like um, Harlem Nights where it was still yeah. trying super hard to be serious, but you'd still get that quirky Eddie Murphy's multiple characters. Um, the reason I picked this is Eddie Murphy clearly watched Gary Oldman in Dracula and went, I... I can do that. I 100% can do that. But what he didn't realise he was delivering was just a super effeminate prince character because he's he's meant to be like a very posh... He's pretty much meant to be like Dracula from 
fucking, you know, the Gary Oldman version where he's very sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking where he's got the Victorian glasses. Yeah, yeah. But in Brooklyn. Yeah. Hard hit in Brooklyn. <laughs> so I recommend checking it out just because it's that weird time around about like uh, tonally, I guess you'd say Death Becomes Her. The movies that didn't quite know. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't know what no. they were. They didn't know what they were. <laughs> yeah. I would, if you walked into a room and said, tonally, I want this to be like Death Becomes Her, you would have the door slammed in face. <laughs> I want this to be a Hudson Hawk type sort of thing with a bit of Death Becomes Her. <laughs> I challenge anyone that thinks they like Hudson Hawk to watch it. Yeah, I wouldn't that because it's um, cruel and unusual punishment. Fucking sucks. <laughs> What's your next choice, Polly? My next one is... I have been op shopping and I recently got a copy of The Stand uh, by Stephen King. So um, it's, um, look, it's it's out, uh, they've re-released on Blu-ray and actually I'm not a big one of those, oh, the transfer is just seamless, but like it actually looks really good. Like, because considering like what I remember of like The Stand, The Langoliers, um, all those like miniseries, like they look shitty. And they've done something to this one. I'm like, this one actually sort of stands up now because they're going to re-release, or they're going to release a new series for it in December. Um, I'm not sure who through, but it still stands up to this day. Um, I still think it's one of the better of the Stephen King adaptions. Um, This one and the Tommyknockers, I think. Uh, So if you get a chance, I would definitely say uh, give it another go. It is, it is, um, it's an investment. Because it is, it is like four and a half hours. Like it's a, it's a mini series, so maybe do it over over a couple of nights, which is what I, I think. Do. There's nothing our audience want more than a movie about a global pandemic wiping out pretty much everyone <laughs> on Earth. So it's, do it. It's on. It's on. It's it's on tone. Yeah, I actually um I recently back in June they released The Last of Us Two, and like that was particularly hard to play because on PlayStation, cause it's just, you know, you're basically playing through a pandemic and it's like, obviously it's got monsters and stuff on there, but like, it's just always st- all that stuff now is just shockingly a bit more real. <laughs> and the you're like, all of, right. The last of us two, which I did complete pissed me off because you kind of only ever had to like go and pull this lever. You always knew you were an hour away from doing what you had to do. Yeah, yeah. No, it did It did diverge off the path quite a bit. And I was like, I, yeah, I still thought it was an excellent game. Um, I haven't done like, I mean, I was, I was struggling to get through it. And then like a couple of people I know was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm on my second run through. I'm like, it goes for like 37 hours. How have you done this? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I'd say if you just look, the stand is worth another look. Um, I know everyone's sort of sharing praise on Stephen King at the moment, but like, he does good work. Like when sometimes <laughs> there is some mini series. You get to that. I'm still looking for the Blu-ray version of the, uh, the stand with the guy from wings and boom, we have our wings <laughs> reference for the episode. There it is. There it is. Now my next choice <laughs> is from 2002. And I think this movie needs a warning at the start of it, much like some movies decide to add an extra content warning. I feel like this yep. movie should have a warning. Do not take a date to the cinema to see this movie if you want to get a hand job. That is my warning <laughs> for this film. 
because I'm talking about 2002's Ghost Ship. Uh, I took, I convinced a lovely <laughs> lady to go to the movies with me to see this film. And it opens up with one of the coolest cold opens of a horror movie for a very long time. Essentially. That's the dance uh, scene. It is. Yeah. It is a ball. It's set in the sixties. It is a dance scene set on a cruise ship. Someone hooks up a massive metal uh, rope, like a big metal fucking, what do you call it? Like just a cable, a big metal cable. Yeah. Like a big cable. Yeah. Yeah. Sets it to basically fling across the deck and it cuts everyone on board in half except for a little girl that's dancing with her dad, including a scene of her holding the arm still, much like the first episode of The Boys. Um, Mm -hmm. And if a girl that doesn't particularly like horror movie comes to the cinema with you and sees that, there's no hand jobs. (laughs) I like that the preamble to like you going to the cinemas is like, there could possibly be, be a handshop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, was, what can I say? There was a family discount that night. Jesus. Um, there's, is that the one that's got Alex Dimitriatis in it? Uh, yes, it, it does. One got, I think it, it, cause it was shot in Australia. I'm thinking, cause like that was one of the, when I was working at the video store, I remember that was one of the big things, you know, how you used to, you used to get the, um, like the trade papers, like yep. you'd get like, um, like the, the studios would send stuff through and it's like, oh, and if you want to promote this film, say that local boy, yeah. to meet your ass, isn't it? he's in it for like, I don't know, 20 minutes, I think. And then he gets killed off for like very, very, because like what happens? Like it's a, it's like a, is it? It is the story of virus, but without the virus. Some, yeah. So they, um, they go on, are they ghost hunters or are they just, um, they just, uh, uh, salvage hunters. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's Insta Blue. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's dead. <laughs> The downside being it features an actor that I fucking hate. And I'm <laughs> not talking about Carl Urban's in there, believe it or not, which is awesome. But really, it's got Gabriel Byrne, and he really burned <sighs> me. He really burned me with all that devil shit at the end of the millennium because those movies all sucked. No, end of days. We are doing it. That's, how, that's our Christmas movie this year. <laughs> end of days sucks, and so does uh, Stigmata. Is he in? Yeah. Stigmata and uh, oh, speaking of speaking of Gabriel Byrne, have you seen Cool World? Oh, with Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. That movie is fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah. That was like one of the first ones to meld like um animation. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but with a a weird boner for cartoons. Yeah, (laughs) I still it's like I still. What if you could fuck cartoons? I still think there should be a way that everyone that comes into your life has to search a porn website that has those pop-ups on the side of like Homer Simpson, (laughs) fucking Lisa Simpson. And if they even glance or hover the mouse over it, you get to cut them completely out of your life. Cause I just don't get dudes and ladies that are into cartoon porn. It's so fucking weird to me. I think it's one of those things that's like, I wonder if anyone's ever going to click on it. I, I remember, um, again, there was like a funny family joke joke where they, they actually reckon it's like, oh, they're on a porn site. And they're like, there's a bunch of cartoon versions of us down the bottom of the page. I'm like, oh, it's so good to like, you know, have one that's just like, I'm going to identify that this, that's, that's going on. Um, so my next choice is, uh, it's, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but um, 
I've watched a couple of the fan-made films, and this one particular called Never Hike Alone is a one from the Friday the 13th franchise. So it is insanely well made. Um, it just concerns uh, one sort of lone uh, sort of backpacker who's who finds Camp Crystal Lake, and it's the first part's um, seen through like his um, GoPro, but then it becomes into sort of, like it's actually sort of professionally shot and everything like that. It is way better than like a couple of the actual proper theatrical releases of um, of of the of the series. Uh, even has I think the director from Number Six does a cameo at the end of it, and it kind of actually is supposed to follow on from Number Six. So Never Hike Alone is awesome. There's a couple of um, Halloween ones as well that you should check out, but this is probably the best. And I think there's also a sequel to it coming out pretty sh- pretty shortly this year. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. I have to check those out because I remember watching a lot of, you recommended a lot of the Alien uh, Extended Universe fan films. Oh, the ones that, um, yeah, that Fox released. Yeah, yeah those yeah. are excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one, I think it's just because it takes it back to what Friday the 13th is. It's just like a dude stalking someone in a in a abandoned camp and it does it so well. And the set design is amazing. Like, I mean, I think he put in uh a few thousand dollars but it wasn't anything huge and it's like for what you get it's just amazing so never hike alone is the one i definitely recommend um and just yeah from that you'll be able to see a few more like in the um might if you like this you should try this sort of thing so yeah that's my my choice awesome well that is a good start to the shot man month a good list a very varied list of stuff for people to check out um and you're also working on a podcast still paulie yep um, did you want to tell anyone about what's happening there or is it? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to talk about <laughs> it's, or it if is... it's not ready to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, no, no. Uh, so it's actually, um, it's, it's now got its, uh, it, it's going to be called uh, living in the past. It's, um, the nineties month by month. So we start with January, 1990. Um, and we have a special guest for each, uh, for each episode. So, um, if you are interested at all in doing an episode, please get, um, you can either contact us through the DVG email or you can contact me on living in the past pod at gmail.com. And it's just, uh, we look at like what happened in that month, what was released, uh, what albums it's a, it's like a focus on, on pop culture and just, um, I suppose the reason I wanted to do it is because the nineties, a, a fairly polarizing decade. People either love it or they hate it. There's no in between. Um, people I've talked about with this idea, anyone that was born from say, I don't know, 1975 to 1982, like the hate their nineties, um, anyone born after that, love them. Um, so yes, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see like um, people's perceptions of the decade that is, is currently my favorite. The more I look into it, it might change, but at the moment it's still one of my favorite decades. If you liked Smokey and the Bandit, you just didn't like the nineties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um and also like uh well i'll uh, at some point um i know there's a couple of episodes that i'm going to be earmarking for for dave um the certain month in 1992 <laughs> that i reckon i'll get you on for um and because like in 1990 that's when we actually started screening turtles too like it was actually released in 87 but we didn't actually yeah, start yeah. putting it here for till 1990 which i never knew so finding little tidbits out like that is pretty good so yeah, living in the past, and if you want to get on the show, just let me know. Living in the past pod, um, and we can discuss it. And yeah, um, look for it in I'd say at this stage mid November. 
Awesome. So coming up next week, we continue the Shite Man month. Casey will be back and the shit cinema will be in full effect because we are talking about 1982's Basket Case. Holy fuck. I sent a message and this is another thing too, is uh, um, I'm on a thing called Letterboxd and it's been logging my films for all, all, um, all year. And I was edging closer and closer to my 250th watch film this year. And I am so annoyed that Basket Case was my 250th film that I watched. It should be something that's so much more deserving. But uh, yeah, um, follow me there on PD Lumsden at Letterboxd. But yeah, I'll have some stuff to say next week. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, a, a necessary drop in quality. Yeah, you, you you need to have that before you it, it gets uh, brought back up with Freddy vs. Jason. You know what? We really should be recording next week's episode on a cassette player. Yeah, yeah. To keep on brand and, and in that movie. In, in the rain. <laughs> Did they shoot that the same night as the Warriors? <laughs> well, I was... Every time the main character walked past an alleyway, I looked to yeah. see if I could see Robert De Niro's taxi driver being shot. <laughs> <laughs> or Jason from Jason takes and takes Manhattan. <laughs> <Yes>, 100%. <laughs> or Street Trash. Anyway, yep. this is DVG. Stick around next week for our continuing Shite Man Month. <laughs>